have a message for you this morning, and I may have to do it in another, more in another couple of weeks. For next week, we'll have Pastor McConnell here. But will you turn with me to the Scriptures, to 2 Corinthians chapter 4, please? 2 Corinthians chapter 4. There's people are away, probably with family today, but it's still great to see so many out on Father's Day. And maybe you're going for a dinner. We're, going, we're having our dinner. Alison's cooking in the house for her dad and her mum's coming, and we're having our family dinner. But you know what to do? You go home and have your family dinner, then come out tonight. Come back, bring them with you. Let's pack the place out for the, for the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Second Corinthians chapter 4, beginning to read at verse 8. Verse 8, please. Listen to what the apostle says. Second Corinthians 4 and verse 8. We are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. Always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. For we which live are always delivered unto death, for Jesus' sake, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our mortal flesh. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your presence. Thank you, Father, for your Son. Thank you for your Spirit. Thank you, Lord, for your faithfulness. Thank you for your love for your compassion, for your kindness, for your goodness, for your gentleness. Thank you for your patience with us. Thank you for your long-suffering toward us. Thank you, Father, for everything you are to us and all that you do for us, for everything you give to us. Father, we are thankful that every good gift and every perfect gift is from above cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. So we return thanks to you, Father. We ask you now that you would take your own word and wing it to every heart and into every life. And Lord, that you'd speak to us. For Jesus' name's sake we pray. Amen. In Second Corinthians chapter 4, verses 8 to 11, as we've read. If you were to read some of this to the modern age church, i.e. a church today, you would rarely hear it from many pulpits or you'd rarely hear it from televangelists. Words like troubled, perplexed, persecuted, and cast down. Troubled, perplexed, persecuted, and cast down. The modern theme today is, by many, not by all, by many, is that when you come to Christ, all is rosy and all is great. And that's not the gospel at all. The apostle tells of his own life. Paul says that he has been troubled, he has been perplexed, he has been persecuted, and he has been cast down. 
Now the cry may be, hide those words, Paul. Let's skip 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 8 to 11. And let's move on to something more softer and nice in case it puts people off who may hear it coming to Christ. But brothers and sisters, when you take the teachings of the Lord Jesus Christ, he never once pulled the wool over anyone's eyes. He never once gave them a false ideology that all was going to be plain sailing. Never once. He told them, you'll have persecution in this world. But he says, be of good cheer in it, because I have overcome the world. And so we must read at times, troubled, perplexed, persecuted, and cast down. And we must expand and expound these things for the simple reason is, if every one of us as blood-washed children of God, we're honest with ourselves and before God, we would all say, I agree, it happens to me. It happens to me. But let's look at this for a moment. It's not the trouble or the perplexity or the persecution or the being cast down here, but rather it's Paul's example of perseverance in it and through it. That's what Paul's telling us here. He's not saying that God's going to just lift you right out of it, and drop you somewhere else. It's the persevering through it. Sometimes perseverance can be for a short time, although the Christian life is a complete perseverance. Because if you're walking the Christian life, you're always going to be at loggerheads with someone. People are going to disagree with you, and people are going to not want to hear the gospel, and people are not going to want to walk in righteousness. And even from other Christians who feel that they're more superior and spiritually higher than you, and Paul isn't saying here about who's more spiritually higher than anyone else, but rather what Paul is saying is, watch how we persevere. Watch where our strength comes from. Watch where our hope is. And Paul is saying, even as an apostle of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, Paul isn't what's called an apostle of the Lamb. That was the original 11 or 12, and then one is brought in after Judas Iscariot. He's not an apostle of the Lamb, but he's an apostle of the risen Savior or the risen Lord. After the Lord has risen from the dead and ascended into heaven, he's an apostle of the ascended Christ. But notice what he says here. He tells us it's not you and I who are thinking, well, we'll pray and everything's over. And if it isn't over, God's not answering. He's saying there's perseverance through it. And he wants us to see the example of the perseverance of the saints. It's about Paul's trial and Paul's testings. It's about Paul's weaknesses. Who's got weaknesses? I have weaknesses. We have all weaknesses. It's about Paul's weaknesses, but it's about about God's strength in him. This is what this is for and why he has written it. It's about Paul overcoming all of these things, trouble, perplexity, being persecuted and being cast down. It's about him coming through it with the inestimable love of God and the grace, the sovereign grace that keeps him going on. Paul's given an example for us to show us that the center here isn't Paul. The center of the scripture isn't Paul because he's the one being persecuted, that the persecutions are centering on him. He's not the center. The persecutions that are coming from every direction are not the center. You see, you and I, when we start to feel these troubles and persecutions, 
we either become the center, and so then we're no good to anyone else, or else they become our center, and that's all we can see. That's all we know. That's all we can accept. That's all we can understand. And Paul's not saying that he is the center, and he's saying the troubles aren't the center, but rather he points us to Christ. And he says he is in the center of it all. He's the glorification. It's his glorification that we look for in everything that we face in our life. So he was giving us an example shown through himself of what you could call the perseverance of the saints. The perseverance of the saints is a manifest life of the work of the Holy Ghost. I'm going to say it again. The perseverance of the saints is a manifest life of the working of the Holy Ghost. The perseverance of the saints is the the sovereign grace of God in you, and you carrying on, even through your failures, even through all your faults. I'm not saying we should walk on failures and faults, but you know what I'm saying. Even when we're persecuted, when we're weak, when we feel we can't go on, the perseverance isn't really you persevering. Yes, you do in a sense, but God persevering in you and with you. And when we get to the end of that struggle, when we get to the end of that trial, when we get to the end of that problem, when we get to the end of that persecution, when we get to the end of whatever has come against us, whether it's on our, our body, whether it's in our mind, whether it's in our home, whether it's in our workplace, whether it's with our neighbors, no matter who it's from or what angle it comes to us, when we get to that place and we get through that, we realize, Lord, if that hadn't have been you, I could never have done it. Because it's him persevering in us. We think it's us, how strong I am. I've got through this. See how strong I am. I've got through this. Really, see how weak you are. You couldn't have got through it without him. And Paul is saying here, centralize yourself, your focus, your heart, your all on Christ. He's your strength. He is your focus. So the perseverance of the saints is the Holy Ghost outworking and being manifest in the life, in your walk with Christ with experience. He's given you experience. Tribulation. Worketh patience and patience experience, says Paul. Listen, try it again. Tribulation. Worketh patience. Now, the Lord's, I'm still about there. Because sometimes I have no patience. I want it yesterday. I want it happened. I want it done. I get frustrated with Things that are not done right. I get frustrated with it. Tribulation, work with patience. Ah, patience, experience. Sometimes a touch on it. Experience, hope. It's a hope that maketh not ashamed. So from the tribulation to your hope that makes you not ashamed, it is that Christ was there all the time, leading you, bringing you, making you, molding you right through all of it. And some of you are way down at that end, at the tribulation end. Some of you are maybe here in a certain circumstance at the patient's end. And some of you are maybe at the experience end. You're experiencing what really happens in the walk with Christ. And some have realized, come through a certain storm, and you realize that you're, you're, you're at this hope because Christ has been there the whole time. And it's a hope that makes you not ashamed. You say, Lord, there. Remember the, the old song? He's just saying, Standing somewhere in the shadows, you'll find Jesus. 
And in many of our lives, we look for him and can't find him because he just doesn't seem as vibrant as he was the other day. He seems to be a little bit further away than where he was the day before that because you, you think that he's moved. But here's the thing, brothers and sisters, he hasn't went anywhere. Who's moved? You and I. He can't move. For he has said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Thee forsake nor thee leave, never will I. So whatever way you look at it, he says, he, he can't move. He can't leave you because he promised he's your, you're his and you're sinned. So when we go through these, we realize that the perseverance of the saints, those who are blood washed, the perseverance of the saints is that we're kept through the power of God through faith unto salvation. God working in us. Notice what Paul says, verse 8, we are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. He says, we are perplexed, not in despair. We are persecuted, but not forsaken. We're cast down, but not destroyed. Not destroyed. Look, you may be troubled, but if you allow the Lord, the God's word this morning to enter your life, for your heart, your mind, your situation, you'll find you'll not be in despair. Why? Because away in there somewhere, there's a still small voice that tells the believing saint. It tells you, look, I've got this. I'm still on the throne. But Lord, I see all this around me. Ah, but you see, you're not, that's not the center. But Lord, what about me? Ah, but you see, you're not the center. I have it. I have it all under control. No matter what comes against you, he says, I'm still in charge. So you're not in despair. Then secondly, perplexed. Or pardon me, distressed, but perplexed, not in despair. And perplexed really, it's a word that gives the idea of you're in a state, you don't know why you're coming and going. Do you ever get like that? Things are, are against you. You ever get like that sometimes you're, you've got this trouble and you, you get up early in the morning, you go, oh, oh, this is going to be great. And then the next thing, something else happens and somebody else said something or another thing happens and you're, whatever way you go, it's, where do I go to get out of this place? And you want to leave your body there and jump out of your skin and run somewhere else. You ever felt like that? I have. Many, many times. That's when we become centered on self. What am I going to do? How am I going to fix this? This is out of my control. This is out of my hands. This is out of my charge. And you're inwardly looking. You're looking on self. You can't do it. You can't do it. Look, someone once said to me, oh, pastor was telling me about this thing, this thing and they said, pastor, it's, I can't help it. It's out of my hands. I've been praying about it and it's out of my hands. I says, good. Because you're making a mess of it. It's not in God's. Leave it there. And when it's out of your hands and you're praying about it, good. The longer you hold on to it, the heavier it's going to get. The longer you grasp that and don't let go of that problem or think that you can change something that can't be changed, the harder it's going to be for you to carry it. I remember one time and 
In fact, it's happened a few times. The Lord's had to tell me off a few times about this one thing. I says, Lord, not, that's before we were here, but I says, Lord, see, see this church, they're putting me away in the head. Please help. Lord, I can't cope. I'm, I'm, at, my, I'm at my wit's end here. I can't cope. Please help me, Lord. So I was down the river praying when my dog was swimming in the river, you see. And I'm going, Lord, where are you? Help me. And all I could hear is still a small voice saying, I never told you to carry it anyway. It's not your church, it's mine. Hello? Isn't that right? See the realization, I knew that, but see the realization in my heart when the word entered my heart? I was like, oh, oh, then you may deal with such and such and this and that and the other. That's the truth. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Who's against you? Who's come against you? Brothers and sisters, see if I was honest with you and I showed you some of the things that I've had online recently against me, some of the things that people have said, just for setting this out here, just for obeying God and opening this church, if I told you what I was called, if I told you what was said about it, I'm going, well, where'd I get that one from? I'll have to write that one down. I haven't heard that one before. I was even told that I've changed my name. <laughs> that my name isn't Ken Davidson. Well, it's on my birth certificate. Well, it's Kenneth. All right. <laughs> and that I was hiding from authorities. <laughs> Unbelievable. Try and blacken the place. Try and blacken my name. Serious. And what do we do when things like that happen? It's annoying. It's not nice. But do I go in the corner and hide and say, this is terrible? I just say, Lord, you sort it out. It's up to you, Lord. You do it. I'm going to take a photograph of my birth certificate and show it up on these screens. You can all see yourself. I haven't changed my name at all. Paul reminds us in this portion of his word that though we may be, as it were, the old saying, we may be at the end of our rope, we are never at the end of our hope. And you may feel that you're at the end of your rope, as it were, but you're not at the end of your hope. And the problem lies with many people feeling they can't go on at the end of the rope. But with Christ, you're never at the end of your hope. I need you to take that this morning And take it home with you because when you do, it'll help you. Say, Lord, we're not forsaken. You've never left me. We're cast down, Lord, but I'm not destroyed. You know why? You're here. Hey, listen, you're here. You're here this morning. I felt like sitting at home and and all these thoughts were coming or all this has happened to me during the week and all these problems came. And and Lord, I I felt like I was cast down. I was depressed and cast down, Lord. And, And listen, People get like that. I mean, there's, there's people who are genuinely uh, get like that. And, weak. and we all get cast down at times. That's natural. But you get back up again. Get up again. 
and go on with God. Get up again. I don't usually talk about this much, but I, I used to, when I was in my 20s, it wasn't yesterday either now, but when I was in my 20s, I used to fight in the ring. Uh, I used to do boxing, kickboxing, full contact, mixed martial arts and that sort of stuff. And all sorts of fights. And, and I had hundreds of fights. And I remember sitting in the changing rooms of some of the places getting ready to fight. A cold sweat breaks on you. Your nerves. You, you need the adrenaline going on anyway for it. Cold sweat breaks. And you hear the crowds cheering. Or it's like the Roman Colosseum. You're going out into. And when you walk out, your legs are nearly, you're shaking with nerves. You walk up and you get up those steps and you get in through the ropes and you start thinking different. Okay, it's time to step up. It's time to step up. You're nervous about it. There's a fear can come on you. But here's the thing, brothers and sisters. You see, it's not the size of the dog in the fight. It's the size of the fight in the dog. And if you're a Christian, since you're a Christian, the fight in you is Almighty God. And I remember, see, once the referee went, go fight, round one. My fear leaves you like that. And the job in hand comes into view. The job in hand comes into view. And I remember one time, and I was so... I was fighting for the British title in Manchester. Oldham it was, outside Manchester. And I remember I was so tired coming to the last round of the fight and I felt my whole bottom half leaving me. Just with tiredness. And you nearly feel, I don't want to be graphic, but you feel your insides are nearly leaving you too. You get so tired. You're exhausted. And I remember I felt, I'm going down. And I remember felt myself going and going and going. Next thing, ding, ding, just saved by the bell. <laughs> now, I wasn't saved then, but I was saved at that round for the bell. <laughs> and I was, I was never glad to hear the bell ringing. Now, the guy beat me in points. I thought he beat me by more, but anyhow. There's times we feel we're captured, our legs are buckling, our spiritual weakness is so great never going to make it to the end. Then suddenly, and I said with reverence, the bell rings. You're not destroyed, son. You're not destroyed, daughter. Here's your way of escape. I'm come to save. And he comes into the situation. And you know, see, sometimes you're fighting. A three-minute round seems like a three-hour round. It really does. Seems like three are right. Paul reminds us that when we may be at the end of our rope, we're never at the end of our hope. And our perishable bodies are subject to sin and to suffering. But God has never abandoned us because Christ has given you and I the word of authority to be victorious over it. So when we gather around the table, I believe Jesus paid for my sins, past, present, and even future. But I believe also he paid for my sicknesses.
He has given us the authority. He has given us ability as well. 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 6, if you'll turn just a few chapters over. I'm watching the clock. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, and we'll read from verse 6. Paul has been persecuted some three times now. For though I would desire to glory, I shall not be a fool, for I will say the truth. Now I, now, but now I forbear, lest any man should think of me above that which he saith me to be, or that he heareth of me. And lest I should be exalted above measure, through the abundance of revelations, there was given me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. Let me stop there. I'm going to throw a wee nugget out, and then we'll, this can come some other time. This is not a literal thorn in the flesh, and it's not a sickness either. This is people. Paul is worn down with persecution of people. Notice what he says here. He says, Lest I should be exalted through the abundance of the revelations that were given to me. Do you realize the more God reveals himself to you and the more things he reveals of himself to you, that the more the enemy hates you for it and wants to see you persecuted and cast down. That's why you and I must say then, God, you're so great, you're so wonderful, you're so good to me, and step out in that and believe God for bigger things again. Every step of ministry, every step you take, I mean, someone would say, I, I, I remember there, in the last three years of my last uh, church that I pastored in, there was, we baptized in the last three years over a hundred and something people. And there, I, if I had a pound coin for everyone who says to me after, a day or two after, or that week after, oh, I've been through a terrible situation this week, and it was the old enemy attacking, they'd been baptized. The old enemy just attacking. Jesus was, went into the wilderness, Remember? And he was tried 40 days and 40 nights. The amount of people who have testified and says, I've got them to testify or whatever, and they've said, oh, I've been really tried this week. I've had a terrible week after all of that. And they're just being tried. They're just being tested. So the more God gives you, the more your metal will be tested. Does that make sense to you? Your metal will be tested. Your faith, in other words, will be tested. Paul lets us know this, that he says there's a messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. For this thing I besought the Lord thrice that it might depart from me. And he said unto me, my grace is sufficient for thee. Who's ever heard that scripture? Would you put your hand up? My grace is sufficient. It's bandied about everywhere, isn't it? Now, and it's true, his grace is sufficient. But it's bandied about everywhere for everything, and that's okay. But let's read the rest of the verse. My grace is sufficient for thee. My strength is made perfect in weakness. Okay. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities. That doesn't mean say he's happy that something's happened. He's not saying he's happy that he's being persecuted and cast down and so forth. That's not what he's saying. I will glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. And Paul was saying, look, see if it takes this to have more of Christ, I'm willing to go through it. That's what he's saying. I don't want this, but if this is what it takes to have more of Christ in my life, a greater anointing in my life, then I'm willing to go through it. I'll, I'll glory, okay, Lord. I'll still praise you. 
I'll still love you. I'll still follow you. I'll still serve you. I'll still go on with you. I'll still trust you. I'll still hope in you. I'll still be with you. I'll still do whatever you want. I'll still go and preach. I'll still go. I'll go. I'll go. As long as I have you. As long as I have you. The word here, grace is charis, is a divine influence on the heart and its reflection on one's life. And Paul says that the Lord said to him, my grace, my charis, my divine influence on your heart will reflect in your life. That's what it means. Paul says then, I'll glory my infirmities that your power may rest upon me. But here's the thing. See, the power of Christ may rest upon me. You know what it gives the idea of? That the Lord's going to pitch a tent and be in the tent with you. That the power of Christ will come upon you like a tent. It literally means to pitch his tent, or as Charles Hodge says, that he may dwell in in me as a tent, as a glory dwelt in the tabernacle of old. I think that's worth it. I think that's worth it for more of Christ. So I'm closing on this, and I'll do another week. This is just like an introduction to the, what Paul was saying. Too many Christians faint too easy. They fall at the slightest temptation. They are too easily offended. And they are easily put off their service to Christ. They are too easy to lose heart in their trials and then and they walk away from the Lord. Alexander Peden, an old Puritan, said, Grace is young glory. What do you mean? That divine influence in your heart reflected in your life, that grace is changing you from glory to glory. It's making you, brother. He's molding you, sister. The grace of God in your failure and in your hurt and in the things that come against you, your weakness, he's carrying you in it. He's persevering in you. And you're going on in it and it's changing you from the inside out. From glory to glory. Listen to Winston Churchill. 29th of October, 1941, at Harrow School. He gets up for a speech. You imagine coming up to to hear him for miles and all of a sudden he gets up to all the the Harrow School uh, pupils and this is his speech. Never, 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 never give up. Never give up, never give up, never give up and he goes and sits down. (laughs) Here's something else he said in a speech one time. The pessimist sees the problems in every opportunity, whereas the optimist sees the opportunity in every problem. See where your problem is. You look at your problem and don't see the the problem itself. You see the opportunity you have to do something and show the glory of Christ in that. Someone once penned, the number one reason why people give up so fast is because they tend to look at how far they still have to go instead of how far they've already gotten. You've come further. You've come further than you have to go. 
Christ is coming. So I'm going to close on reading this, okay? The last one was a false alarm. Let me read this. Here's a reading from John Wesley's diary. The actual diary of John Wesley. I copied it down. And notice the, notice the never giving up attitude of John Wesley. Notice the, 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 the perseverance of God in him. And him persevering in God. Listen to this. Sunday morning, the 5th of May, preached in St. Anne's, was asked not to come back anymore. Sunday evening, the 5th of May, preached at St. John's. Deacon said, get out and stay out. Sunday morning, the 12th of May, preached at St. Jude's. He just simply writes, can't go back there anymore either. (laughs) Sunday evening, the 12th of May, preached at St. George's. Kicked out again. Sunday morning, the 19th of May, preached at somebody else's. Deacons called a special meeting and said I couldn't return. Sunday morning, the 26th of May, preached in a meadow. Chased out of a meadow as a bull was turned loose during the service. Sunday morning, the 2nd of June, preached out at the edge of town, kicked off the highway. Sunday evening, the 2nd of June, afternoon service, preached in a pasture. 10,000 people came to hear me. Now, if he had to give up, if he had to give up, when he was told the first or the second or the third or the fourth time, if he had to give up when a bull was turned loose or when he was kicked off the highway, he would never have seen the 10,000 to come to hear him preach. Never give up. Do you hear me? Never give up. Will you say it as we close, never give up? Never give up. Will you say it with conviction now? Never give up. One more time. Never give up. Persevere and go on in Christ. Two weeks' time, I'll maybe, if unless the Lord gives me something else to do, I'll maybe bring and I'll dissect that, uh, that little portion of Scripture because there's a lot in it as well that we'd like you to see.